Breaking Knowledge was created using the Anchor app. Anchor is a free app designed to give people like me a free and easy way to create a podcast as well as to distribute it to all platforms. The app makes recording, editing, and getting your podcast out there easy as well as free. It's available on the Apple App Store and on Android apps. Welcome back to Breaking Knowledge. Uh, this is part three with Robert. And today's subject gets a little bit more more mainstream, I think, of, of more people relating to it as they love college sports. So t- today we're going to talk with, with Robert about his college career and his experiences with that dealing with being you know, a, a black student athlete and on scholarship. And I, I think we're going to get some really eye-opening stories from him on this one because a lot of us know through research, through storylines, and through everything that we've seen, especially for us since we used to call, follow college football especially so, so hard. Thankfully, now we, we don't oh, as much. it was a religion. Let's it, face it. Well, it, it was. was <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we knew about it going into talking with Robert. But there's a lot of things that, you know, we, we don't know. Right. And I think he's going to bring to light a lot of things that a lot of people do not know about that yeah. goes into college sports and yeah. being an athlete. Absolutely. Well, because we only had the perspective from the outside. Right. And literally just living living the dream of, you know, watching our favorite teams and getting that excitement. And I didn't ever, I mean, I know what I experienced when I was in college with some of the football players. Um, you know, there was the one time that I was in class and the professor told me to allow the football players to um, cheat off of my test. Right. And that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but you know there were there were probably better students in that class that they could have cheated right. off of. But you know that's it. It just goes to show that we don't know, and it's so nice to have these kinds of conversations. Again, I have to say that that's what you're trying to do is get those conversations out there that we are not privy to unless you know someone personally that has gone through it. Yeah. And that's what that's what Robert did is like and it is eye opening. And I remember, you know, those those years when he was in college and he would come home and have conversations with us and we'd be like, Huh? Yeah. That yeah. what? That yeah. there's no Un- way that can be I mean jaw dropping stuff. Unbelievable. Yeah. And 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 furthermore, I think also, you know, this conversation, you know, it it delves into a lot more topics than just racism. There, there's, there's a lot of different topics that we could absolutely run off on tangents on when talking about you know student athletes and colleges, and but it, it still stems back I think to you know him dealing with racism and I think this will definitely be a different aspect of his life where he'll see a different impact or or a different perspective of systemic racism systemic you know, up as till now, thick as it gets really yeah and, and up till now in our conversations with him I think it's more been about his personal experience it's been his environment 
you know, there's definitely undertones of where he's had to deal with the systemic issues that are across the board and set up to, you know, keep minorities and people of color, you know, down and out. But I think this discussion is going to get to some much more broader topics that a lot of us are completely unaware of. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep this one short and sweet in the intro and, and get into the conversation with Robert about his, his college experience as a student athlete. So yes, college. Now, you, went, you played football at college, and we're going to leave the college name out. It was a, a school in middle of nowhere, East Texas, <laughs> which... In one of my other podcasts, we've heard from somebody that has had an experience or two in East Texas. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's dive into that. Um, being at college and a student athlete, you probably weren't dealing with you know being a lone black kid in a mm-hmm. white school at all. But what what was that experience, you know, like? What kind of racial experiences did you have, and and was it centric to, to football itself, or mm-hmm. did it also spread out to, to the school or the town in which you were at? Yeah, so it was racism. was every, everywhere when you got to college. It was, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was, now, do, you, was, do you attribute that, do you think, more to where you were at or because you were a football player? Uh both. both, yeah, okay. it was okay. both. Yeah, you know, where I was definitely had its own major issues because it was East Texas. You know, everybody know about East. if you're from Texas, you know about East Texas. Like East Texas is podunk, poor. Yeah, it's similar to West Texas. <laughs> yeah, there's nobody out there, and if you have money out in West Texas, you're big oil, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. You know, so. uh what was dope was it was the first time I was ever like around people that was like me again like my first that from since elementary school you know like young elementary days I wasn't around nobody that it was like me but then when you get to college and a lot of these football players are not a lot of them but majority of them have poor backgrounds you know they don't they don't got a lot of money you know they got it they had to hustle to get to where they were you know football was either all they had or all they knew you know, so, you know, you, you bond off of that and you grow off of that. And when in college football, uh, when they say it's a form of modern day slavery, they're not lying. Like, I have no doubt about that. It is. It's 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 they control every aspect of your life, like everything from what you wear to what you eat to where you get to go, uh, what times, like they really try and police your life, you know, because right. you are you are virtually owned by the school. Yeah, you're you're an investment. You're yeah. you're making money for the school. Yeah. Well, I remember one time you came home to visit us and um, you had to stop and consider whether to go out into the driveway and shoot some baskets with oh, yeah. teeth, you yeah. know, because you were like, you know, oh, yeah. technically, 
I can't really do this yeah. because yeah. if I get hurt, I'm going to be in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Lose your scholarship. Yeah. Lose, lose your lose you, your college. Yeah. Your life. Like it's just that's and. <coughs> When when I say a lot of the guys have, uh, they come from like low income, like it's to where like we can't go to college if we don't have that scholarship. Right. right. You know, and college is like everything now. The only way you can make it now is if you have that diploma, and if you have the experience, and if you if you don't have football, for a lot of us, you don't have that diploma, and so we had to play by master's rule. Which was the that was your coaches and that was your athletic director, and uh, you never really talked to the AD. The AD never really fooled with you unless you was like one of three players during the year that they would put posters of and you know highlight for the program. Like you never really saw the AD, but you knew about with the AD his rules. So, <clears throat> I just want to clarify for people mm-hmm. listening. You went to college mm-hmm. on a football scholarship, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just your talent in football that you succeeded in college. You are a very intelligent young man. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in the gifted and talented programs mm-hmm. in elementary school, and you know you mm-hmm. made very, very good grades. Mm-hmm. So it's not like uh, the the thought of just trying to get to a better place using football as your only you really wanted to go to college yeah and learn yeah like I, 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 I wanted that I wanted that degree you know my mom was the only one who had had one you know right. no no one else had one so and uh, your degree is in law enforcement <laughs> criminal justice yeah that's I a lot criminal justice well for everybody listening, we, we will explain later why we are laughing so hard at that. Yeah. It's not just because he's black, trust me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the point you're making here about you and the other players you knew really ties into the systemic problem mm-hmm. because you don't have the option to get those loans. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, it needs to be upwards sixty, seventy, dollars $100,000 yeah. in loans. A lot of money. Uh, nor, you know, a lot of these kids because they come from these decimated poor areas they they don't test well they couldn't mm-hmm. get into a school yeah. if they wanted to mm-hmm. and if they could even so if you got the loans mm-hmm. and you could apply to go to college a lot of these kids couldn't yeah because i know from my own experience you know 20 years ago i knew student athletes and they were being helped left and right oh yeah they weren't taking their own tests mm-hmm. you know they were being helped they didn't mm-hmm. have to man- do attendance policies and they wouldn't make it if they were a regular mm-hmm. student. Um, so I, I think it relates back to that systemic issue and, and even further back to the schools. What mm-hmm. we put into our education is a racial problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's because of how society's been developed and how capitalism has you know, put the black mm-hmm. man down, yeah. so to speak. And it's not just black men, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have wealth, you're probably never going to get it, yeah. Because that's how our society has been designed. Mm-hmm. Unless you, you know, pull something like a Mark Zuckerberg and invent something that everybody will want and have mm-hmm. worldwide, and regret you're not. later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you won't get it, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that's that's a very sad reality of our society right now. Is that when we talk about systemic racism, it, it it's the greatest Reagan economics effect. It's oh, trickled yeah. down. 
You know, mm-hmm. it, it does affect all the way down from when you're a child. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it systemic. Yeah. It's not just that, you know, you happen to be poor. And, and you weren't, in your later years in high school and going to college, you weren't necessarily poor. Mm-hmm. You weren't rich. You, mm-hmm. you didn't have a lot of money, but mm-hmm. you weren't on the streets. You, yeah. know, you had a home to go to. You had food. Mm-hmm. You know, and it may not have been everything you wanted. Yeah. It, it, but you still are a victim of this systemic system. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I think, is one of the biggest problems with, with our reality and really ties into college sports because mm-hmm. I can absolutely see just from, you know, the things that you've told us how you are. You're, it's like modern-day slavery. You know, these mm-hmm. schools are making money hand over fist mm-hmm. based on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and right now, California is the only state that has stepped up and said, okay, these student-athletes are bringing in billions of dollars a year mm-hmm. for these schools. None of that money is actually going to lower tuition mm-hmm. or to help out give scholarships. While a small percentage probably is because they have to, yeah. most of it's going to buy building new stadiums, building new state-of-the-art student-athlete <laughs> yep. you know, programs, gyms, workout things, rather than what where it should be going to and that that's to you guys it's to help the education of society and yeah. that's the purpose of that institution mm-hmm. so when you know you're you're being dangled a carrot in front of you but at the same time you've got a whip on your back mm-hmm. yes you know metaphorically yes. of course i yeah. hope um you know i hope you didn't have a, yeah. a texas tech situation oh yeah you, no huh? the athletes were getting hit but yeah no <clears throat> I, I think that that's something that America needs to wake up to as we glorify sports in this country. You know, everybody's up in arms with COVID and, oh, we don't have our sports, we can't watch anything. And, you know, we see the ramifications of that. But we need to go back to the whole purpose of college mm-hmm. and to have a student go, oh, I have to do this and I have to be a slave mm-hmm. to these people because if I don't I've got nothing yeah I'm either going to drugs and dealing mm-hmm. or yep. gang banging or yep. I'm homeless or yep. you know what I may just commit suicide yep you know that that, that that's sad yep. that those are the options that you kids have yeah when you're giving so much to these institutions yeah. um but I sorry to yeah you're good get, get on no, a, you know you <laughs> get on a tangent there so you know back back to your story of, of you know your experience in college as a football player, you know, and lead you in on, you were talking about, you know, being a slave, you know, what were the things that you went through? Oh, man, it was, so we, I mean, from, from that, when, when I say they control every aspect of your life, once you get there, they do. So let's start with the classes, okay? The classes you take, they sign you up for those classes. Okay, you go. Every student gets advised by an academic advisor. Mm-hmm. Every normal student has to go to their advisor and get advised. We have an athletic academic advisor. So we go to the academic advisor at school. They give us the schedule we should take. And then they we go take that schedule and we give it to our athletic academic advisor. And then they set up our classes. Well... If you don't understand how college works, which most of us don't, because right. uh, we kind of in here to play football and all that other stuff. And yeah, I was there for school, but uh, I was also there, you know, you know they promising the league. They talking about 
you know, getting rings right. and this, that, and the third. And, you know, it's just so much talent. you like, oh, football, football. I got to focus on football. And that's all it is. So, you know, you get distracted from what's actually going on. So, like, my personal experience, I was taking kinesiology classes. <laughs> Sports medicine, yeah. Yeah, I was taking, like, I was in tennis. <laughs> I'm like I'm in I'm in theory of basketball, like having arguments about LeBron, oh, wow. Jordan, and stuff like that. Like, don't even have theory of football. I was in theory of football every year. Wow. Every year, that's an actual class. Theory of football. No, are, are these special classes for student athletes only? They say they say they're not. Because I've 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 seen yeah. several college, you know. Yeah. Class catalogs. I've yeah. never seen anything yeah. like that. Yeah, no. It, they, they Were there s- any non-athletic? So that's students? the thing. The student, the non-athletic, the norm, the only non-athletic students that was normally in there was either was either the sports medicine uh, trainers mm-hmm. for the athletes, or like one or two people who just noticed that there was an elective called theory of football that you could take, but nobody really. Th- who would take these classes? Yeah, no, no. That's now, who not, would take not these a, classes? You not know? when you're paying the money for college. Yeah, you pay for, like, why would you take these classes? So so let me get this straight. So so you really don't get to pick your classes. Now, mm-hmm. do, do they do this as in, like, a, a fall spring deal to where, okay, here's your fall schedule. Mm-hmm. It's really easy. You need to take these classes. And mm-hmm. then in the spring, you know what, concentrate on, you know, finding out what you want to major in. You know, and, and you pick some of your classes for the, for the spring semester. Mm-hmm. Is that how it worked, or was, was it like dictated to where you didn't have much choice on what you actually got to study? Well, they never. Your academic, your athletic academic advisor is supposed to talk to you about what you want to do. That's their job. They're supposed to help guide you to that. But that's never what happened for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are they like corralling you into a degree of? Coaching, or coaching, okay. Coaching and kines was normally what they pushed you to. Like normally, when you showed up, you were are they they ask, are you a kines major? And so most people was like, oh yeah, I'm just kines. I'll do, go be a coach. Everyone's. So, so I'm guessing like they're assuming, and the, don't take this one personally. Mm-hmm. They're assuming that these individuals that are the athletes playing their sports mm-hmm. probably don't have. Um, they're not convinced that they are intelligent enough to want to go and have a degree in something mm-hmm. else yes. that oh, oh okay. just just be blunt no they think they're dumb yeah yeah well, they, no, they, they do but that's they, that's he's he's right that's that's what when i was signed i was brought in it's crazy i was signed with 27 kids and one day we were all still in high school but we were up there we we're up at the school and we had to spend the night that night people were in there talking about what we had on our sats and like kids was in there saying it nine hundreds, a thousand like that's ten you know like that's what their scores was but like well put it in perspective though when you took the SAT what was the max score because like when I took it mm-hmm. max score was sixteen hundred twenty four okay so it did change right? yeah so that's that's really low then. yeah no they were yeah. exceptionally low and still able to go to the school because of their ability right mm-hmm. and so when you have that these 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 advisors take advantage of that and so they don't ask these kids you know what do you want to do what do you want to be a lot of them are a lot of these kids are so young we're eight, 17 18 yeah you know we're going to college we're thinking about NFL we don't care you've we got, don't you've got the big dreams yeah, and aspirations we don't, we, we don't know the reality about 
English yeah. 101. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we don't know the reality of us not being able to go. We actually yeah. not going to go to the NFL. Yeah. They don't I tell think, you that. I think that's something that's not shared that should be. And, and the statistics may have changed now, mm-hmm. but the last time I read the statistics, it's 1% of high school players make it. And this is all sports, mm-hmm. not just football. 1% of high school players make it to college to play that sport. Mm-hmm. And then 1% of those actually make it professional. And then if you make it professional, you're not guaranteed three years. No. That the lifespan is is not more than three years. Well, far less with football. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so with that being said, like we don't know that we actually do need this degree that they chipping us out on. So, um, thankfully enough, uh, I was one of the brighter of the twenty seven that was signed, and so the academic advisor when I was signed, he told me that I was there over the summer. I was going to help the kids, some of the kids pass the summer class. To make sure that they were eligible yeah. for the fresh for our freshman season, right. because like if you weren't if like they, if they didn't pass the class, they technically weren't allowed into the school. Yeah. So and this is like a remedial reading class. Yeah, this you is know, that the stereotypical class yeah. you hear about. You yeah, know. I was put in history of rock and roll. <laughs> like that was they my, still make it that easy. Yeah, that was my that was my summer class that wow. year. But some kids had the remedial remedial math and remedial English and. I was supposed to, I was the one of the the students who would help tutor the other students, but really and truly, like I I wasn't doing that. Like I wasn't doing that. I'd learned how to cheat, so I just taught. I showed them how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it was. That's what it was. Like we didn't. They sit here and they say we have these tutors. Like the tutors that they had for us were kids just trying to make the nine ten bucks to 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 make it. They didn't actually care about our grades. You know what I'm saying? So. It was, well, because they were going to pass you anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, that's probably what was going to happen anyway. And the craziest part was the, the only classes that, like, I struggled in was the classes where the professors knew that I was a student athlete and said it didn't. They, they made it hard for me yeah. because they knew, like... They knew kind of what was going on with the athletes and how the athletes were taking Kinesis classes and just BSing and all of that other stuff just for, that was just the school I went to. That's what we was known for. You know, you didn't graduate. I signed with 27 kids. Three of us graduated. Wow. Three. Now, of, of those kids that had to, that you were supposed to quote unquote tutor during that summer before school started, let me ask this, how many were black or how many were of color? All of them. And all of them black. Yeah, it's all black. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, like it's just it, it, it goes. I mean, it all it all ties into each, each itself. It does. But I do know for a fact because I've seen a lot of them on the news lately. There are stupid white people. Oh, I, yeah, plenty I mean, of them. Yeah, but the media don't show you that. And no. So when the media don't put it on TV and people don't see it, right? We they don't know that. You know. Obvious. Ah, just if you think you're better than somebody because of your skin color. You stupid. Period. Yes. Yes. You know, like if that's what is your intelligence marker is your skin color, obviously your your marker is low. Right. Perfectly. So we we don't I don't acknowledge (laughs) racial intelligence anymore. You know, like it is what it is. You either smart or you're not. Yeah. Period. So so now let's get into more of the 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 dirty details. So, a lot of, and I say that because a lot of us 
you know, a lot of people out there that have even looked into this stuff. Mm-hmm. We know we know this stuff goes on. Yeah. You know, yes, student athletes are they're usually given a pass of uh, some sort or another. I mean, I'm honestly I was actually surprised to hear that, you know, you had professors taking it harder on you or not mm-hmm. not maybe not necessarily giving you the breaks mm-hmm. that other professors were giving because when I was in school I was actually ATA. Mm-hmm. And when it was time for me to help my professor grade papers, mm-hmm. there was always a stack taken away from me because they had learning disabilities. Yeah. And they were all student athletes. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was actually a little surprising mm-hmm. to know that at least there's some professors out there that are going to challenge you. Oh, that, yeah, they're going to That's good to know. Yeah. But let's, let's get more into, as you progress in your collegiate career, what other experiences, you know, have, have you gone through uh so there are there are a couple of different things that you know you experience so i guess on the outright racism side you know we'll talk about the outright racism with uh first because i think people could 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 if you could visually see the outright racism so um drug tests all right uh, uh drug tests were normally you can tell when they were going after kids, mm-hmm. you know, because there would be a drug test where it was all African-American players and um, they would put like one white kid, one like walk on who was like trying to be on the team, like trying to make the team. And they knew like he was cream of the crop, like 52 shoes and slide him in there. And that's how they would catch, mm-hmm. you know, so many people doing uh, what they were doing. And uh, a lot of times it was just smoke marijuana, which to be honest is, you know. Yeah, I'm going to have a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, you know. One. Yeah, like yeah. it was just, you know, like, but they, you know, it they they made it such a big deal. Like it was just like, like whenever they needed, whenever they needed to get rid of a bunch of kids, you know, whenever they needed to get rid of y'all to bring in a new batch, you you would just drug test. And if you caught anyone, which it's easy to catch people when you in backwater East Texas and you got these kids away from their families and you making them go through hell every day. It's nothing but football. You beating them down all day, every day. You're going to smoke a little herb. You're going you're gonna to tilt the bottle a little bit. You're going to be around something like that. Like it's hard to not venture off into something to help ease your mind from what's going on because it's 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 well because your master is making your life miserable. It's miserable. It's I'm not, I'm it's so miserable. Me and my friends would joke like, like we'd be like like we would go smoke like it, after a football game we would go smoke and it would be like we just be like man if it wasn't for this like we would have been and hurt somebody out here because it's just what we went through was so hellacious and like drug test time we knew that it was it was. It was it was mostly targeted mm-hmm. when they needed to get rid of kids and and if you if they if they liked you and or not really liked you but they kind of wanted to control you they would drug test you especially if they knew you were a smoker they would drug test you you pop one and then they got your life and once you fail a drug test they kind of got your life in in jeopardy because yeah. then it's that they make or break your yeah future. they can make or break your future because. That's where they could, oh, okay, well, we'll drop your scholarship. And, um, like, if you're trying to transfer, we're going 
we're gonna tell the other coaches you got a drug problem. And so wow. if you if you if a coach here you got a drug problem, then they they not we don't want you. Like why no matter how good you are, if you got a drug problem, you're a detriment to the team, you're a cancer. Those words is is you don't wanna hear. So so we had a lot of kids lose their livelihoods off of that, you know, and you it, it it was just sad to see because you knew that I mean what else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, you... Did, now, on, on your team, did, did you have a lot of... Was there a mix of race as far as coaches go? Or was it predominantly white? They're predominantly white. They normally kept two black. Really? You know, you have to have certain amount to look good. You so know? when these drug... The, and what I'm tying into is... So when these drug tests come around... And I don't know how they're done. If you're mm-hmm. called in individually or if you're in a group, mm-hmm. you know, and setting and you're called one by one, mm-hmm. what was the ratio? Were there any white kids that were being singled out that were drug tested regularly or was it predominantly the kids that they were kind of on edge about? It was the white kid. The white kids that they did target were the white kids that hung out with the black kids. Really? Normally, if you were a white kid that went to a college football team, they wanted you to be a certain way. If you were not that cookie-cutter, crisp, you know, church-going white boy who looked good, you, you, it was pretty tough on you there. They were pretty tough on you there. They wanted you to have that look. So those, those I, I was cool with a couple of the white kids who were targeted that hung out with my circle, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it just one of my actually one of my best friends he was targeted my roommate, you know he he hung out with the, his roommates with the wrong person in the wrong crowd and you know they they targeted him he got caught up uh, unfortunately and and he was put in a situation where uh, they called him in and they were just like you know uh, you need to take a drug test we heard. Uh, they called him like day of, which you supposed to you supposed to give them four hours to report to the drug test. At the time, I don't know if rules have changed, but at the time it was four hours before you report to the drug test. They gave him, they called him up there and they told him like, "Yo, you got to take this drug test." And he was like, "No, I'm not taking this drug test." It's like we'll kick you off the team if you don't take the drug test. And he was like, "Well, fuck it, I ain't taking the drug test." And so they, you know, they he he, and it was it was it was solely because of who he hung out with. It wasn't because he was a bad dude. Like this dude got his masters in in business once he once he finished. You know, like he was one of the few players that I knew had his head on right. You know, so it's it's. But the excuse could be made that you know he wasn't performing or oh yeah some bullshit along the way to to mask what. That they were targeting mm-hmm. him, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and like with the the, I had a coach. I have a head coach. The head coach, uh, he there was. So I wore this long, I wore this long, white shirt. My senior year, I wore a very long white shirt. Uh, it was almost like a dress. It went almost past my my pants, but. It was uh, it was super comfortable. It was a joke. Like I was a senior, we I had practice in it all fall camp, no issues. Nobody got hurt. I never got hurt. Like it was just a, it was it was funny. Like that was just my that was our thing, you know. And um, so 
right before the fall, the fall scrimmage, the coach comes up to me uh, at practice. He's like, "Hey, you can't, you can't wear that in the fall game, like the the, the, the fall game." I'm like, hey, "Okay, whatever, tough guy, <laughs> like, like whatever." Oh no, this is spring game. It's a spring game. I'm sorry, it's a spring game. I was wondering why I was saying fall game. You want to sign up for me? It's spring game. So uh, I'm like, all right, whatever. And so, um, next day we go back up to practice, practicing, having a good time. Like it's just, you know, like it was hard to have good fun practices. Like you had to do something to make practice fun. So that my shirt was my thing, you know. Um, well. The next day, we in the middle of the the field goal drill, and uh, he walks up to me. He's like, "Didn't I say you couldn't wear that for the the spring game?" I'm like, "Yeah, but this ain't the spring game. Like, we had practice." He like, "Yeah, well, I'm just letting you know you can't wear it." And I'm like, "Well, why? Like, why I can't wear it?" He's like, "You know, this isn't this isn't um, and I can't. I'm not gonna say the school, but it's HBCU school." Which is a HBCU is a historically black college, uh-huh. and he said, he's like, this isn't so and so, this isn't an HBCU. You know, you play in the Southland, meaning like Dixieland. Yeah, yeah, like uh-huh. you and like you are, and we played in the Southland Conference, but you need to look a certain way because the Southland Conference was in the South. Uh-huh. It is Dixieland. It yeah. is the Bible Belt. There yeah. is no school outside of that, so you have to look a certain way. You have to be a certain way, and so. Like, we couldn't wear earrings for the longest. Like, up until my junior year, I think, was when they had finally started letting us wear earrings on the bus, and it was like a token. They were like, oh, here you go. You can wear earrings now. I'm like, oh, thank you? Thank you, Mazza. Yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. Like, okay. So, you know, when he passed that comment, the team was like, whoa. Like, the team, the whole team was like, whoa. Like, it was like. Yeah, this is blatant racism. That's blatant in your face racism. We was just like, what the fuck? Like, I know we was going like we like he said it and then like walked off and like we just kind of like went to the next drill and we was just like, did you hear that shit? And everybody was like, yeah, but what can you do when the head coach? You know, that's your, that you know, the AD hired him, you know, look yeah. bad on the AD if you got to fire him because he says something like that. So we just going to sweep it under the rug. And the sad part about it is he has his job only because of you guys. Bingo. Bingo. Well, I mean, that's and it. The, the, and the other shitty thing is that you guys have been so oppressed that you feel like you, you just can't. Like, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, can't say, say anything, even though you should. You know, and, and you should loudly, honestly, mm-hmm. like a head coach. It's honestly, you know, we're, we're at the point where it should have been. Everybody on the team goes, oh, you want to say that again? Let me grab my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, let me record you saying this and let's mm-hmm. put it out on the media and see what they think about mm-hmm. your racist comment right there. Mm-hmm. But we were so focused on winning. If you it's, lose- easy, it's easy to distract and... and you know, looking back, of course, you all hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. It, it it always is, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's sad that you know. And I don't know if you feel this way, but mm-hmm. you know, do you? You know, is it is it sad to you that you let yourself get so distracted that there are more important things you could have done? Oh, oh, I, I, 
I regret so much not making a big deal about that because um, he he did get into some trouble, but it was nothing racial. You know, it was a it was a sex scandal. Like, but if you would have brought that up, that would have compounded it. Yeah, like, you know, like not only know, does he have this scandal, but yeah. hey, you know what? He's also fucking yeah. racist. Yeah, and 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 like he's told people before, like. Like when, you know, you don't, you, like, I, you need me. Like, if I send you home, you're going to jail. Like, he's told his players that. So, like, he never had the locker room because he was always, he was always blatant and out, outright. And, and I was one of those who he kind of targeted, but he wanted to tar he targeted me to keep me there. I was, I was one of those he didn't want to lose. So... I was held on a chain and it was my fault and what happened, but I was held on that chain there. And so with that being said, like I, I, he had never said anything to my face up until that, that moment. And so it was, uh, it was just like, it was like, Oh, so like I had heard what he was telling everybody else, but then now when I'm hearing, I'm like, I'm like, what the, but the same type of dude who who said before a football game in front of the AD, in front boosters, he said, "We're gonna go out there and we're gonna rape their wives. We're gonna Jesus. Wow. We're gonna go out there and rape their wives." So like it's it's like that's acceptable to say in in situations where superiors and cameras yeah. are on you because this is a major game we were at, like and ESPN was filming all of this. Nothing, 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 was, ever, came nothing ever came out of it. Like I mean, that's, not, not that that's necessarily a racist comment at all. But, but it's, it's just like it's human decency, Jesus. Yeah, it's is what's accepted with this system of they can do whatever they, they want. can do whatever they want, you know. And it's and it's just like as a player, you just sit there and you just like you you you're hopeless and you're sad that. You said that you got all that, but one once again, you can't talk about it. You ain't got nobody to talk to besides your your teammates. You also don't know who the coaches then told to be a rat and right. listen in the locker room for who talking. You know, so you know you you're second guessing even your closest partners. You know, so it's it's it is modern day slavery because that's what they did back in the day. The master had. The, the coon of the house nigga to go in and infiltrate the the, the slave camp yeah. and see who's talking bad about master and they do it in with with college football too and it's all sports really but you know just my personal experience with college so it's just like it's like man it's man, that's gonna be deflating I mean yeah I mean, yeah it takes all hope of any kind of justice whether yeah. it be while you're in school or even after mm -hmm. you know because even once you're done, maybe maybe you can go back and mm -hmm. you know say something, report something, and you know the reason you didn't before was because you were scared. You mm -hmm. needed that college scholarship. You wanted that college scholarship. You wanted that mm -hmm. education. But after that experience, it's almost like there's no point. Nothing's going to be done. Yeah. And and I think that's that's a problem where we're at today is we can point it out. And I am I'm a supporter of Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. we, we've done protests. It, it's until it changes, we can speak out all we want. But, and that, this will tie into later, that's why we vote. We, we need to have people that are in power, that are mm -hmm. elected, that will actually make those changes. Mm -hmm. Because until we do, 
speaking out is going to be the only thing that's ever done about yeah. it. You know, you and I can speak the truth till we're blue in the face, but mm-hmm. unless there's somebody above us mm-hmm. in, you know, as far as abilities, mm-hmm. nothing's going to change. Yeah. And, and that's the sad part. So, I mean, yeah, that's why I say deflating because, I mean, my God, even if you wanted to do something, you know it does no good. You're, you're mm-hmm. going to be... You know, a, a mouse in a room full of elephants stomping yeah. around. Yeah. Man. So, <clears throat> let's go back to your degree. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, law enforcement. And I remember us, we, we, we had a couple conversations about what you can do, what you should do, how to go about yeah. doing it, and things like that. So, at, at the time, what made you choose going into law enforcement or the, the criminal justice system? Um, especially being being a black man, mm-hmm. you know, and coming from New Orleans. Yeah. So, the perception of the police, you know, in African American communities are, you know, like we are in fear of the police, and so justifiably. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely, justifiably so. And I, I knew I also wanted to know my rights. I knew I wanted to know my rights as a human, and I didn't know them. So, I knew learning about criminal justice, it was always interesting to me. And and I wanted to kind of be a pillar of light for my people. You know, I wanted to be a positive, you know, like I wanted to show like, oh, maybe all cops aren't bad. You know, like we, you know, there are some good ones out there. You know, I wanted to help the community because I, I like to this day, the situation where when I was in Katrina and I was walking, me and my dad was walking and he was crying like, and we got picked up like that. As a major, like, to be able to have the power to save someone in that situation, like, my uncle, during Katrina, they had hired him. He was a mechanic. They asked him during Katrina to to swear him into as a police officer, and his job was to pull their bodies out of the water. Oof. You know, like, 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 it's a tough job, but, you know, for that to be your job, you know, like, because nobody else can do it, you know, it was it's, it's it's so respectable and commendable. Like, why would you not want to do it? That was just my thought process, you know. And then another aspect of it, and this is how I know most cops feel this: is you got some so much power, you know, like so much power. Nobody can control me anymore. So it felt it felt like I knew I was going empower yourself. I was, yeah, I was going empower myself with that same power that everyone else had. So um, that's kind of why I did it. And, you know, as I started to learn, as I dealt with the professors, because all of my professors were ex-police officers in law oh, enforcement. Wow. And I had a, I had one major. I had another um, a police chief as an ex-police officer or as an ex-professor. So, like, uh, I had different types of law enforcement that I knew I was going to be around teaching me. And so, um, I got to experience, I got to experience like top tier police work type folk and see what they were about, see how they carried themselves, see their thought processes, their views. Cause you keep the same professors normally throughout your entire college career if they're in your major. Right. So I kept having a lot of them over and over again. And um, my favorite professor was the chief. And he was the only one to speak out on 
what was actually going on in law enforcement. Like, he was the only one to be super open about, like, yes, African-Americans are targeted. Uh, yes, like, you know, I, 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 I had a suspicion, but I didn't know. He was the one who brought it to light that policing started with modern day, or policing started with slave catching. Yes. You know, and the fact that I didn't learn that till college. Well, I mean, that, yeah. that goes with a lot of things. <laughs> Look at, like, you, did you ever learn about the Tulsa Massacre? No. No. Yeah, you I don't. Mean, I, 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 even even not racial, but going back as far as, like, the Holocaust mm -hmm. and World War Two, I taught my kids so much more than they learned or pointed them in the direction to learn for themselves mm -hmm. about the Holocaust and the, the real shit that happened over there because... It's glossed over yeah. in high school and college, unless you really dive into it in college. It's glossed over, but to your experience, and you know, never learning about the Tulsa massacre, I never knew about it. Mm -hmm. I never learned it, and I was a history minor. Now, granted, I didn't do history in the United States, but I never even learned about that. Never mm -hmm. even knew it existed, and that goes into a huge issue with if you've got, you know, let's say. And you're a major in law enforcement. I don't know how many different professors you have taking your classes for mm -hmm. your major, but if you've only got one speaking to what's really going on, mm -hmm. you know, are the other professors just just glossing over yeah. real issues? And they're just are they just are they there to collect a paycheck and teach mm -hmm. the curriculum that they have to teach? Mm -hmm. You know, what what does that make you feel when you have this police chief mm -hmm. teaching you or ex police chief teaching you what's really going on? Mm -hmm. And then you've got these other professors that aren't. You know they were in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. you know, how did that make you feel about that? Um, it was, I mean, it confirmed suspicions. You know, like you have your suspicions going into it. You 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 hope that not everyone feels virtually the same, but um, it just confirms that it's uh, toxic. And it's a toxic agency. It's a toxic system. If only one person is able to speak out on it or is, one is comfortable enough to speak out on it. Um, and I just, it's, I had, there was a, there was a, a, she, we just, we had a lesbian professor who refused to talk about her experience as a lesbian in police force. She just refused, like, we had people ask her in class, like, you know, what was her like, did she encounter any barriers? She'd just be like, no, nah, I don't really want to talk about it. Like, she would just kind of Almost shrug like it off. Almost like unwritten code. Yeah. You know, amongst law enforcement that, you know, we don't we don't talk outside of yeah. these taboo or, or, not taboo, but these controversial subjects to keep it hidden. Yeah. You know, to keep it to where when we see things on the news, to your point, and I agree, and, and even Biden hit on this a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, they should go through psychological exams. Absolutely. You oh, want to be absolutely. a cop? We need to make sure you're not a racist or, mm -hmm. or psychotic, you know, or mm -hmm. have psychopathic tendencies. That needs to be done for these people that, like you said, we give great power to. They have a lot of power. And a lot of them have issues mm -hmm. that shouldn't have this much power over people. I, I, I received a psychological evaluation from a police agency while being hired on. And it was a joke. Really? They asked me really? questions. They asked me questions off of a sheet and a, another law enforcement agent was the one who was asking me the questions, just seeing if I was a normal person. So then they sent me to the second person and he asked me questions, seeing if I was a normal person. He's like, 
Oh, you good? Take that advice, your oyster is fine. Getting on to your shoes, you know, how to lock yeah. the door. It was two plus two. It was it was crazy. Like it was crazy. Like it was just like it wasn't anything pertinent to it. Psychiatric psychiatric issues. Right. Like no no mm-hmm. questions like did you kill little animals while you were a kid? Yeah, like you know, like are your parents racist? Are you racist? No, nothing like that. You know, like it was it's crazy. Have you ever burned a cross or wore a white hood? Yeah, like you it's know? I mean <laughs> you know you get to, yeah. you get to a certain point where it's like, well, well fuck, do we have to ask these kind of questions mm-hmm. to find out who these people are? Mm-hmm. Because I mean you, you see it now. So and so cop was fired because of his hidden Facebook page yeah. of white supremacy. I mean yeah. It, it it's what point do you get so so you've gone through college now mm-hmm. and so now let, let's get into what you're doing now okay damn I mean wow that that was that was a lot yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I can't imagine just the bullshit he had to deal with of knowing that, you know, he, he's, he's like you said, it's, it's modern day slavery. He was under the control of his coaches and his athletic director with the carrot dangling in front of him for that degree. Yep. Holy shit. I mean. Yep. And the crazy part about it is that this is, you know, this is just one person's story at a at a relatively small college. Right. And I can only imagine the the depths of how how much this goes on at the larger universities. Well, and and I think one of the biggest problems to me that struck out was how much they are just flat out used. I mean, they are just pawns in a money-making scheme for every school. So, yeah, to your point, you know, this was a smaller school, but good Lord, I can only imagine what it would be like at one of these big Division Mm -hmm. One huge Mm -hmm. universities. And if if they go, if they go through, I mean, you know, we we know there's there's coaches out there that we we know are good people, and I'm not going to name names, but it, it makes you wonder, you know, but how many bad ones are out there? Yeah, and probably those. Those good people, coaches. That, if I had to guess, you know, their hands are tied too because it, it's it's all about the money. And so, right. if you've got those alumni and those booster club members, I mean, well, and the athletic directors, the, the board of regents for the yeah. colleges and whatnot that are looking at how many dollars are we making and whatnot. Yeah, uh, and it's it's just it's mind boggling how we've gotten to this place. You know, it used to be. And you hear it. You hear the people out there that, that some of the pundits out there that are like, you know, these kids are getting a free education, and and you know they need to be grateful for that. You know, it's not about the money. Right. Well, no, I'm I'm gonna call you a hypocrite on that because when these schools are pulling in multi multi millions of dollars every year, and and I think we touched on this. It's not like we're seeing the money go back into the students. Yeah, I'm sure a small portion is, but when we see you know these schools not really doing a whole lot it gets pretty insane of no these these kids are being used and touted as money makers right. and something should be done for them they they shouldn't be just you know slave driven to perform the, the sport 
for the betterment of the pockets of the school. Right. And, you know, back to the point of uh, the kids going there on a scholarship and all of that. Well, when you, for the most part, when you don't have the luxury of choosing your degree and it's kind of dictated to you unless you can think on your own uh, and, like Robert did and say, no, I, that's that's not the path I want to go. You know, yeah, you're on a scholarship, but are, are you able to get the, your degree in what you dream your life to be in the future? Right. Yeah, are you able to use that scholarship for right. what the purpose of it is, as so many for people longer, say? Yeah. For you longer know. than three to five years, yeah. if you're fortunate enough. Exactly. And th this one definitely, it, it, it makes you angry because it's not how it should be. You know, I, I get the entertainment aspect. I, I get that there's, you know, a lot of good being done for these kids that, you know, don't have any other choice. They, they you know what, if they're a star athlete, that's their only way to go to college. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's so many of them that we don't see the aftermath of, you know, everybody's hyped up come April, May for the NFL draft, for the NBA draft. But we don't see what happens to the kids that don't get drafted, that were really good. Like, maybe right. they were a superstar. You know, we don't know what happened to them. You know, were they successful? Was the whole point of playing that sport and, you know, bringing in all this money for that school, was it worth it for them? Did they go out and get a job that they liked? Did they get a degree that they really wanted to get? And did what they wanted to do with their lives. Unfortunately, we don't see a lot of that. Right. Now with Robert, we, we were able to because, you know, he did have a chance to possibly go professional, but we've seen him make some life choices of what he wants to do. And, you know, I, I think it's great of what he's doing now. And, you know, that's kind of a preview into the next episode. We're going to, we're going to talk with, with Robert about where he's at now, what he did with his degree and everything that he's been experiencing since and if it's gotten better or worse you know we'll, we'll find out I, I think knowing him that the way we do we, we we know he's he's doing very well and he's a lot happier than I think we've ever seen him really absolutely so you know with that I want to thank everybody for listening stay tuned for episode four that will be coming or part four will be coming probably this afternoon or tonight I'll post it up there after we uh we have our conversation with Robert and uh, you know I want to thank everybody for listening again if you have any feedback feel free to email me at breakingknowledge2020 at gmail.com you can follow me on Facebook or on Twitter at breaking K-N-W-L-D-G-E and as always just remember keep in mind we're all one